Hi, this is Elizabeth Bailey, and you're listening to the Citizens Podcast from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. There's a story about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was the 32nd president of the United States, if you need that for trivia. Um, Roosevelt at one point became suspicious that when he went to state functions and had to greet diplomats and dignitaries, that no one was actually listening to a word he said while he was shaking their hands and going down the line. So one day um, at one of these receptions, he tested this theory. When he greeted each person down the line, Roosevelt apparently would shake their hand smile and lean in and say, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Um, Supposedly, the guests just smiled and responded with things like, marvelous, you're doing a great job. God bless you, sir. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the line, a Bolivian ambassador heard Roosevelt, listened, leaned in and said under his breath, I'm sure she had it coming. Um, the story is funny. Let's be honest. We don't know if it's true. Um, but we've all been in places or situations where we are pretty sure no one is listening. Um, we ask, were you listening to me? Or we ask, or we say, that's what I just said. Um, in a world full of chatter and noise, is anyone really listening? In a world full of sound bites and tweets, is anyone really paying attention? And church, what if I told you this morning that God listens to your prayers. Citizens Church, God listens to your prayers. If you're to leave this afternoon, just taking away one thing about prayer, this is it. God listens to your prayers. In Matthew 6, Jesus tells his disciples and us that there are ways to pray as if God isn't listening. And there's a way to pray if God is listening. If God listens to your prayers, we can pray to God and not just for the approval of people. If God listens to your prayers, we can pray to God and not just to false gods or other gods. And if God listens to prayer, you should pray to God like Jesus shows us. In verse five and six, start with, um, if God listens to your prayers, pray to God and not other people. It says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the religious leaders in Jesus' day would make a big show of praying in public spaces. So they'd pray to be admired by people for how holy they were, how devoted to God they were. They would go into, on, on stage, they would stand on the street just so others would see them when they prayed. But Jesus points out there's actually very little reward in praying just for the, for the approval of other people. Because when they prayed in front of others to earn their admiration, they got just their admiration. And that was it. That reward is small and short-lived. As soon as the admirers would go home, they probably forgot about the show and eventually probably forgot about the performer who was praying for um, If the only reason you pray is to leave a good impression, the only thing that comes of your prayer is that it might leave a good impression, (laughs) and that's it. But on the other hand, Jesus tells us there's great benefit to praying to God. Instead of praying on the street corners, Jesus says, when you pray, you should go into some private place, not the stage, not out on the street, and shut the door behind you. Why is this the way Jesus says to pray? Because if you're unable to pray alone by yourself, you may not actually be praying. (laughs) You're performing for others, but not praying to God, your father. When you go inside and close the door, there isn't an audience anymore. It's just you and God. 
If you can't ever pray alone, you might have to ask what you're doing. Now, this doesn't mean we can't or shouldn't pray in public in the Bible. Um, God tells us to pray together for each other, to encourage one another. But the goal of these prayers is never to just impress other people. But the key is that God sees and rewards what's done in secret. People don't. God can answer your prayer and be present to you, whether you're in a room full of people or all by yourself with no one to see. So ask yourself, I wonder, do I believe God sees me when I'm alone? And do I believe God hears me when no one else does? I wonder what good reward might God have for me if I were willing to simply spend time in his presence alone without the need to show off for others. Friends, God listens to your prayers, so you can just pray to God and not worry about performing for other people. Second, in verse 7 and 8, we see that if God listens to our prayers, we can pray to God and not other gods. Verse 7 and 8 says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. If the religious leaders prayed to God, but really just did it for show, the Gentiles would pray to other gods. And these gods were usually fickle, arbitrary, difficult to deal with, high maintenance, so they had to pray a lot. They... um, They had to say a lot of things. They had to be eloquent. And and they thought that the more they said, the more likely it was that these gods would hear them. So if they wanted something from these gods, if it was a good rainy season for their crops, if it was healing a sick child or protection from an invading enemy, they had to put their best foot forward, pray really hard, say a lot of things, and keep talking until they were heard. They would think, these gods will hear me if I just say enough, if I just do enough, if I just prove enough that I'm worthy of being listened to. And in our modern world, that feels kind of silly because most people don't really pray to anything. But I don't think we're that different because our world is still full of places where we think, if I just do enough, if I just work hard enough, it will pay off and I'll be okay. Whatever God I'm at the mercy of at the end of the day, if I just say enough, he'll have to listen to me. He'll have to take care of me to give me what I need. But God, your father in heaven, is not like that. You don't have to coerce God to listen to you or to answer your prayers. God is a good father who doesn't have to be convinced to care about his children. Jesus says, your father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. So church, two things. If your father in heaven knows what you need, first of all, you can ask away. You can ask what is on your heart even if you're wrong, and you can trust that your heavenly father knows what you need and is happy to give it to you. And second, if your father in heaven knows what you need, to borrow a contemporary phrase, you can say less. (laughs) You can ask for what is on your heart, and you don't have to present a petition with 500 signatures. You can, you don't have to justify every every good desire before God, and you don't have to be good enough for him to listen to you. Our weaknesses, our sin, our struggles don't make God less inclined to listen to us. In fact, our weaknesses, our sin, and our struggles actually should invite us all the more into God's presence to pray. In Matthew 6, 7, 8, I love this verse. Um, Jesus points out, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to, go- how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How terrible would it be 
to just give your kid a rock when he wanted food. <laughs> How mean would it be if your kid asked for a fish to give him a snake? That's mean. Um, <laughs> but God is not like that. God is a good father and he delights to give you what you need. And he already knows before you open your mouth. So ask yourself, I wonder, do you ever find myself feeling like I really have to convince God I'm worth listening to? Do I ever feel like I have to make deals with God in order for him to give me what I'm asking for? Do I find myself over-spiritualizing my requests instead of just really trusting that God knows what I need? And if, and if the case is, and if that is the case, what do I think my father in heaven would have to say about that? If God listens to your prayers, you should pray to God like he's your father, not to other gods. So if Jesus has given us two examples of how not to pray, if God is listening to your prayers, we should be really thankful that he also gives an example of, of how to pray. It says, if, um, if God listens to our prayers, we can pray to God like Jesus shows us. Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He actually tells his disciples, pray then like this. And this prayer is what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. You've probably heard it, probably at least sounds familiar, if, even if you haven't. The prayer isn't meant to be just a prayer we recite, although you absolutely can. But it's meant to be a seed and a root. Whenever we pray, we hope our prayer, whatever it looks like, grows out of this one. When we look at this prayer, I want to break it down using the word pray <laughs> um, and as, as an acronym and to talk through each part um, of the Lord's Prayer. So first of all, P is for pause. <laughs> um, it starts out, our Father in heaven. The first thing we do when we pray is pause and know that God is our Father in heaven. If you are in Christ, God is your Father in heaven. And if you have a Father in heaven, you can shut the door and shut things out and say, to, and say no to the world around you for a few minutes, and you'll be totally fine. You can put your phone in the other room for a moment. You can go into your room and be alone. You can be up in the morning without anyone else around. You can sit down and still your restless hands and heart. You can know that your Father in heaven takes care of you long enough to take your, for you to take your eyes and ears and hands off of the things we endlessly busy ourselves with. So begin your prayer by pausing. Now, if you're going to pause and shut the door, you need a plan. Um, practically, when you think through your prayer life, you should make a plan and pick a place. And here's why. Because I know some of y'all are super about that organic life. I'm resistant to making plans because blah, blah, blah. I need it to be natural. I don't want it to be, feel forced. Um, but here's the thing. Spontaneous prayers are almost always reactive, meaning that you're completely at the mercy of your circumstances. Something exciting happens, so you pray, which is great. Something sad happens, so you pray, which is great. You should absolutely pray spontaneous prayers. But a mere, but <laughs> spontaneous prayers that are just reactive should not be your whole diet of prayer. Think of a married couple saying, oh, we talk a lot as a couple, but only when something's wrong or when she's mad at me. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Um, or between friends. Oh, we talk and hang out, but only when something exciting happens. Okay. <laughs> um, or, oh, we stay in touch, but only when I need something. So when you're praying exclusively spontaneously, 
you're only responding to that. And what you actually need to be pursuing is also a plan and a routine. So for the reward of a flourishing prayer life, pray with a plan. Name a time, name a place, um, and protect it. You can pray in secret and no one needs to know because your Father in heaven sees you. And you don't have to work hard to say a lot of words because your Father in heaven already knows what you need. Second, R is for rejoice. Hallowed be your name. Second part of prayer is to rejoice. Jesus prays, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, we do not say that word unless we're reading Harry Potter, means to make something special, set apart, revered, and honored. So to hollow something means to set it apart as special. So when you're saying, hallowed be your name, you're rejoicing. You're saying, Lord, you are good and glorious. I want everyone to see that. I want to see that more clearly. Make your name great in the world, in your church, in my heart, and in my life. And when you're thinking about why God's name should be lifted up, you're rejoicing. We lift up God's name when we're filled with gratitude, when we're in awe of his goodness, when we're resting in his good fatherhood. When we see a pretty sunset, when you're deeply encouraged by time with a friend, when you eat really good food, we look and see that those little goods are just a piece of God's whole goodness. James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights who doesn't change. So you should rejoice when you pray. Third, you can ask. A is for ask. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You should ask that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want the world to be the way God wants it to be, filled with justice, righteousness, flourishing, honoring, and praising God. We want our hearts to be the way God wants them to be, full of justice, holiness, obedient to God, thriving, growing with God and with people. Lord, let your will be done. Help the things you want for the world come true in my heart, in my neighborhood, my church, my city, my country, your world. And then second, you can ask that God would give you your daily bread. You can ask God again for what you need. You can ask him for what you want too. Just remember that the example is bread and not like caviar and crab cakes. <laughs> um, but ask for what you need. God cares about what you need. Don't cover it in caveats. You don't have to justify why you want it before God. Remember, he already knows. So ask confidently and with faith that God loves you and already knows what you need. Even if the answer is no, God wants you to bring your request to him. And last, why is for yield? Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. To yield means to take a step back. We pause, we rejoice, we ask, and then we yield. We step back in humility. This is where we acknowledge that we need God's forgiveness every day. If you're in Christ, you've already been forgiven once and for all, but that doesn't mean we still don't seek to always be weeding out the sin that's growing up in our yard. <laughs> and daily asking for forgiveness reminds us that even though we are forgiven, God actually listens to our confession because we're already forgiven. We still need God's help and mercy every day of our lives. And not only do I need to daily ask God for his forgiveness, but I need to forgive people who hurt me and wrong me daily. Jesus knows that not only do we sin, but also we're often sinned against. 
And so we acknowledge that not only do we need mercy every day of our lives, but we also need to be extending mercy to other people in our lives every day. And then not only do we yield and ask for forgiveness, but we ask for God's help to get out of temptation and away from the dangers of evil in our lives. We need spiritual protection. We need help following God away from our sin. We need help in the face of attack and accusations from the devil. If you belong to Jesus, you're a target of the devil, the accuser. So ask for God's deliverance from temptation and protection. If God listens to your prayers, you should pray like Jesus. You should pause. You should rejoice. You should ask and you should yield. Let me close just by giving two examples of how you might pray like this. One planned and one spontaneous. On a planned Monday morning, it might sound like this. First, pause. God, you are my heavenly father. You see me when no one else does. You know what I need. Second, rejoice. Lord, I'm here this morning and I can see the light of the sun peeking over the top of the trees, fills my neighborhood with light. And I'm reminded of your holiness and how you give light to the world and the way Jesus, your son, said he's the light of the world. You are full of light. And I'm thankful that you've brought that light to my life. Third, ask, Lord, my work computer is sitting over there staring at me, and I'm not sure I'm ready for today. (laughs) Would you make my workplace a place that is just and equitable? Would you make my coworkers and my supervisors flourish and come to know you? Would you help me do my work today like I'm working for you? Would you provide for me financially through my work, (laughs) my daily bread? Would you help me have the energy and motivation to do my job today? (laughs) Would you help me stay afloat when my clients are upset, my customers are rude, when I don't see eye to eye with people in my department? And then yield. Lord, I can get so angry about my work. (laughs) I can get so frustrated with other people, become so self-righteous when things go haywire. And Lord, you know that sometimes I'm not very merciful. I want others to perform at a level that I can't always reach myself. I can be brutal with my standards of perfection, even if I don't say it out loud. Forgive me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Help me not hold grudges when I feel like someone has let me down. Protect me from the lie that I am what I do. Deliver me from this lie that comes straight from the devil. Amen. (laughs) And then a spontaneous prayer. Um, Perhaps if you are trapped in a long line at Walmart late at night. (laughs) Um, I came up with this after I was trapped in a long line at Walmart late at night. (laughs) This did not happen in real time. (laughs) Um, So there's a long line at Walmart late at night. And (laughs) first, you pause. (laughs) So if y'all are like me, (laughs) leaning on the the edge of the cart with the phone, (laughs) like texting someone, playing a basketball game with someone. Um, So you put your phone in your pocket, your pocket, and you say, God, you are my father. And then you rejoice, Lord, my cart is full of groceries, period. (laughs) (laughs) You are so generous and you're even generous to people who don't know you. Ask, Lord, I came to this store because I thought it would be the quickest one and I just want to go to bed so bad. Now I've stood in this line for 15 minutes and I just want to scream, would you make me a more patient person and more compassionate? 
because there's a weird part of me that wants to go find the manager and tell them everything they're doing wrong. (laughs) Yield. Lord, have mercy on me. Whenever something gets in the way of my plans, I get so upset. I think my time is the most important thing in the world. Sometimes I'll even avoid spending time with you so I can use it for me. Keep me from the danger of prizing my time and my priorities above yours and from the tragedy of seeing other people as an inconvenience. Amen. And the line has not moved. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) friends, God listens to your prayers. And God listens to your prayers, not because of anything you've done, but because Jesus died on the cross crying out to his father so that his father might open his ears to you. God listens to your prayers. You've been listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.